Ashley Rock, reading Dolores Fawson's book, Mason, Chapter 2. Abby didn't take the time to tell herself that it'd been a really bad idea to come to the Rhineland Ranch. That's what she would do later. For now, she just had to get out of there as fast as she could and hope that she could somehow make it to safety. Safety with no car, no money, no shoes. Clearly, she had some big strikes against her. Abby glanced over her shoulder and saw the one with the biggest strikes of all. Mason Rhineland. Her boss and perhaps the person who wanted her dead. She'd been a fool to come here, and the foolishness might soon get her killed. With Mason's footsteps bearing down on her, Abby didn't give up. She ran, praying that she would mistake, make it to the fence before he could grab her. The fence wasn't a sure thing. First, she had to scale it and then try to disappear into the thick woods that surrounded the sprawling ranch. But just reaching the fence was next was her next option. Stop! Mason yelled. His angry voice tore through the darkness, through her, and she had a terrifying thought. What if he shot her? After all, he had a gun. Abby had seen it when Rusty and he had pulled the door off her. The sight of that weapon and his fierce take-no-prisoner's expression had caused her heart to skip a beat or two. She kept running, her lungs already starved for air, but she wasn't fast enough. With the fence still yards away, Mason grabbed her shoulder and dragged her to a stop before he rolled her around face what the hell do you think you're doing? Mason demanded. Abby wanted to demand the same thing, but she couldn't gather enough breath to speak. Mercy. Her teeth were chattering from the chilly night air and the fear. Well, he pushed. He looked down at her, at her face, at her gown, at the garment she was wearing over her gown. And why did you steal my shirt? I borrowed it, Abby managed to say. She would have done the same to a pair of shoes if she could have found them. She hadn't, so she run out of his office barefoot. He mumbled some profanity and stared at her as if she'd lost her mind. Maybe she had, but thankfully he didn't shoot her or threaten to do it. That reprieve might that reprieve meant she had a chance to try to talk him out of whatever he was planning to do to her. Look, I'll just go, she managed to say after sucking in some water. The heck to heck you will, he kept pushing. He kept a punishing grip on her. First, you'll tell me about the fire and why you ran. After that, I can decide if I'll arrest you for arson. That put some air back in her lungs. What? Arrest me? I didn't do anything wrong. Mason gave her another, you've lost your mind, glare. And those icy gray eyes drilled into her. Abby couldn't see the color of his eyes in the darkness, but she knew them well enough from her job interview. Not that he'd given her more than a passing glance in the three days she'd worked for him. Well, he was doing more than glancing now. In addition to the glare he aimed at her, his gaze kept dropping to her cotton nightgown. It wasn't a garment meant to be provocative, but she felt exposed with Mason's attention on her. Mason had a way of doing that, she learned. Tall, dark, and dangerous with his black hair and hard face. His brothers had those same Ryland looks, but they were soft, softened on their face and bodies. Not Mason. He looked like an ordinary vampire without a shirt. Added to that, there were those gunmetal gray cop eyes that saw and had seen way too much. Abby slid her left hand over her chest, over the silver chain that bead down into her gown and in between her breasts. She couldn't let Mason see the pendant at the end of the chain. If he did, the anger in question would come at her at full blast. We can't stand out here and freeze our butts off, he can, or you can tell me what happened. Because she couldn't tear her out of his grip, and because he had that gun, Abby knew she had to give him some kind of answer, the truth. Probably not. 
not until she was sure she could trust him, and so far Mason hadn't done anything to make her believe she could, well, except pull her out of a burning building, but she wasn't sure yet why he'd done that. Maybe her shouts for help had drawn so much attention that he felt he had no choice but to make a show of rescuing her. He probably wouldn't have wanted anyone saying he, he'd let his trainer burn to death, even if maybe that's what he wanted to happen. I already told you, I'm not an arsonist, she explained. I woke up and the place was already on fire. I tried to get out, but when I made it to the front door, someone pushed me to the ground and shut the door on me. What's someone, he challenged. Abby Sugar. I didn't see his face. He studied her, his glare getting even harder. So why do you, so why accuse me then? Now here's what she had to lie. I was scared, talking out of my head. I've never come that close to dying. And that too was a lie. A whopper, actually. Well, she'd come close, all right. The seconds crawled by, and even though her teeth were still chattering and the goosebumps were crawling all up and down her, that didn't seem to give Mason any urgency, even though he was no doubt cold, too. That no-shirt part caught her attention again. She didn't want to look at him. Okay, she did. Once more, she was intrigued by how her island jeans could have created this puzzling mix of danger and hotness. Under different circumstances, she might have been attracted to Mason Ryland. Abby mentally groaned at that thought. Not good. Thoughts like that could only make the situation worse. She, and she was already at worst. The trick now would be to stop the danger from escalating into a full-blown nightmare. I have to get out of here, splurted out. I can't stay. Still urgent. It's still no urgency from Mason. And when she tried to move, he snapped her back. And went, you honestly believe someone tried to kill you tonight? Abby thought about the experience. Yes. She said even though she dreaded what he would ask next. Next, she didn't have to wait. Why would somebody want to kill you? Mason's question hung in the air and was just as smothering and as political potentially lethal as the fire and smoke had been, Abby tried to... Since I've been here at the ranch, I've had the feeling someone's watching me. Also the truth. That warning, Mason released the grip on her, but he continued the ruthless stare. Did you tell anybody about this? Abby settled for a hitching. Well, you should have, he growled. We have surveillance cameras all over the ranch, but they're not monitored unless I'm aware there's a problem. I wasn't aware... Plus, there's the part about me being a deputy sheriff. I would have been very interested in knowing that you thought someone wa would might be watching you. I'm sorry, Abby mumbled. But was there? But there's no way she could have told him about her suspicious suspicions without making Mason and his brother suspicious. I'll pack my things. Except her things had all burned. She was literally wearing everything she owned. I have to leave. She repeated, "Not a chance." If the fire was arson. There'll be an investigation. Grayson will need to interview you. There will be paperwork, and I hate paperwork. He added in a grunt mumble. Grayson, the sheriff, another set of cop eyes, just what she didn't need right now, but she couldn't very well break into a run and expect to get away. No, her best bet was to pretend to cooperate so she could get out of there as fast as possible. Then she could regroup and figure out what to do. Abby glanced down at her gown to make sure the pendant was still hidden. Could I maybe borrow some clothes? <laughs> Mason didn't jump right on that with a resounding yes, but he finally grumbled one under his breath. What he didn't do was stop the staring, and he sure as heck didn't move. For the record, I think you're lying about something. Don't know yet, but I will find out. And if you set that fire, so help me. I didn't set it. Happy Snarlback. You're willing to have your hands and clothes analyzed for traces of gas gasoline or some other arson, other accelerant.
He snapped. The question stopped her cold. Under normal circumstances, no, she wouldn't mind. She would even volunteer. But these were far from normal circumstances. She obviously needed to get out of there. So Abby nodded. Of course. Mason stared at her and stared where he finally hit his shoulder in the direction of the fire and the other ranch building. Come on. Not exactly a woman fuzzy invitation, but Abby was thankful they were walking. Not easily and not very quickly, after all, she was barefoot, and Mason seemed to be as uncomfortable as she was. Tell me why you came here, Mason tossed out. A demand that almost caused her heart to stop until he added, Why did you want to work at the Ryland Ranch? You asked that in the interview, she reminded him, but Abby paraphrased the lie to refresh her memory. You have one of the best track records in the state for cutting horses. I wanted to be a part of that. Mercy. It sounded rehearsed. He made a gruff sound to indicate he was given that same thought smothered with suspicion. You knew a lot about the race before you applied for the job. Abby nodded cautiously. The man had a way of completely unnerving. Sure. I did a lot of reading about it on the internet. Like what? He fired back. She swallowed hard and hoped her voice didn't crack. Well, I read the ranch has a solid reputation. Your father, Boone Ryland, started it 40 years ago when he was in his early 20s. Mason stopped and rolled around so quickly that it startled her. He aimed his index finger at her as if he were about to use it to blast her into another county. Then he turned and started walking. My father, he spat out like pretty, bought the place. That's it. He didn't even have it paid off before he hightailed it out of here, leaving his wife and six sons. A wife who committed suicide because he broke her spirit and cut her to the core. He was a sorry SOB and doesn't deserve to have his name associated, associated with my ranch that I've worked hard to build. The venom stung. Even though Abby had known it was there, she just hadn't known it would hurt this much to hear it said aloud and aimed at her. You don't look as much like your father as your brothers do, she mumbled, and before the last word had left her mouth, Abby knew it had been a Texas-sized mistake. Mason stopped again so quickly that she ran into him. It was like hitting a brick wall, an angry one. How the hell would you know that? Mason demanded. Oh, mercy. Think, Abby, think. I saw your father's picture, she said over saying. The staring started again, followed by his glare that even the darkness couldn't see so What picture? He asked. Enunciating each word. Abby shook her head and started walking, or rather she tried to, but Mason caught onto her arm and slugged her around the face. What picture, he repeated. She searched for a little lie he'd believe, one that could get her out of this nightmare that she created, but before she could say anything, Mason's gaze snapped to the side, and he lifted his gun in that direction. For one horrifying moment, Abby thought he was going to turn that gun on her, but his attention was focused on a cluster of trees in the distance. The trees were near the fence that Abby had fought so hard to reach. Mason stepped in front of her so quickly she hadn't seen it coming. Since they coming, he put himself between her and those trees. What's wrong? She asked. Shush. He answered and like the rest of this conversation, he sounded rough and angry. Mason was a lot taller than she was, at least six feet three, so Abby came up to up on her toes to look over her shoulder. She saw nothing, just the darkness in the trees. Still, that nothing got her heart racing, because someone had set that fire. In her attempts to evade Mason, Abby had failed to realize that if Mason wasn't on to her, if he didn't know why she'd really come to the ranch, then someone else had set the fire. Someone else had tried to scare her, or worse, hurt her. You think someone's out there? She asked. 
But Mason only issued another shush and looked around as if he expected them to be ambushed at any moment. Abby stayed on her toes, although the arches of her feet were cramping. She ignored the pain and watched. She didn't have to watch long. There, in the center of the tree cluster, she saw the movement, so slight that at first she thought maybe it was a shadow created by a low-hanging branches swaying in the wind. But then the shadow ducked out of sight. I'm Deputy Mason Ryland. Mason, identify yourself. Silence. Well, except for her own heartbeat drumming in her ears. Who was out there? The person who'd set the fire, or was this something worse? Get down on the ground, Mason said to her. I'm going closer. Abby wanted to shout no, that it could be too dangerous to do that, but Mason caught onto her arm and pushed her to the ground. Stay put, he warned, and he started in the direction of those trees. With each step he took, her heart pounded harder, so hard that Abby thought it might crack her ribs, but she didn't move, didn't dare do anything that might distract Mason, kept his gun aimed ready, kept his focus on the trees. When he was about 15 yards away, there was more movement. Abby got a better look then at the person dressed head to toe in black including the gun. The moonlight flickered off the silver barrel. Watch out! Abby yelled to Mason, but it was already too late. The person in black pointed the gun right at Mason. End of chapter 2